Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, Reiki Master Energy Teacher, Medium, and author of a trilogy, the newest edition being A New Life Awaits, Spirit-Guided Insights to Support Global Awakening, which shows us our challenges are not merely economic, political, or societal, but often a deep disconnect from our inner soul wisdom. I am delighted today to welcome Walter Zajac, author of They Came, Beyond Deja Vu, which is a true story of a youngster who endured as an abandoned, often beaten, and sexually abused child in post-war Germany and later in America, and who was able to develop amazing healing and intuitive powers. Hello, Walter, and thank you for joining us on Healing From Within. And you're going to share the miracle of surviving horrendous conditions and then awakening to your incredible gifts as a psychic medium. Walter. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Okay. Walter, as listeners of Healing From Within well know, my sensitive, empathic, evolved guest, San I share stories and insights into the metaphysical world of dimensions of life that affect us all and offer new ways to evolve and know ourselves and the universe as an expansive entity that it is now and forever. Understanding life is more than this three-dimensional physical life. And that's the key to opening one's potential to create or manifest the best life possible and a purposeful life. So life is eternal. And, one em- and when one embraces that truth, fear and limitation, which restrict true happiness and well-being, fall away. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Walter Zajac, an acclaimed psychic medium on the West Coast, also an NLP coach and Reiki master, sharing enlightening readings and healing sessions, as well as continuing to receive dreams and psychic visions that come true, will share the story of deeply realistic dreams about two women also suffering their own traumas and how six-year-old... Well, the boy in the book was Scott, but uh, I think they were partially your stories. Felt them. Only later when he met them as a 44-year-old adult did he discover the dreams he had of them had actually happened. But he experienced them years before they were born. Walter will share extraordinary insights into the world of intuition, dreams, and higher consciousness. Walter, we've listened to some of the shows, so you might know I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, place, or event that might have signaled to them, or maybe to people around them, the life path or destiny they would pursue as adults, for it clearly seems within the soul memory the journey has been accurately imprinted even before being born. So tell us something. Well, for me, that event was what the book is about, 
and yes, every scene in the book happened to me. It is my story. I changed names of people and places for people's privacy, but the book is about what I thought was an exciting train ride that ends up in a place called Orphanage, which was a word I'd never heard before, and then Mm -hmm. I was told I was never going home again, and my mama died six days later, and... A year after a year in an orphanage, in that orphanage, I was adopted by people who were abusive. And as far as my life path goes, how that signaled to me my life path, for me it meant to find strength, power, happiness within myself because there wasn't anybody else to fall back on. And for me, the values that I discovered was that the most effective option for me was to be very strong and not give my power away to others if I could help it, to passionately love myself, but to be nice to people in order to get that back from them, to have them be nice to me. Yeah, you wanted you wanted to help people because you had, you know, seen things that a child should not have to see and yeah. and I was I was similar because I was a sensitive child I wanted to help people and as an empath I felt so much of their sorrow and pain and fear anger all the emotions and I mm-hmm. I wanted to make them be joyful and happy and I was either laughing or crying as a kid because mm-hmm. I was picking up everybody's uh and I'm sure you were sensitive like that too so um yeah and still are we well we were born that way that is our gift and our challenge and we have used it very wisely to share with others how they can use and keep their personal power i always say that today Uh, no one's a victim unless you let them take your personal power away within you if you connect to spirit and ask for help Eventually, you receive great gifts. It takes time for some yeah. people, some people a little faster, but in reality, we were born to have all these experiences. Nothing is really either good or bad. It's just experience, and we can use it to foster greater courage and resilience and uh, compassion and love, of course, and belief. We have been able to develop a very strong belief system we don't just think we know right and that's a great gift i would uh, i i know it to be a great gift now your novel they they came beyond deja vu is centered around childhood imaginary friends who actually become real women in a man's later life and it's based on your story this is your story so Tell us about the imaginary friends you had, or important friends you had in the book and in your life. Mm -hmm. I'll focus on the the one that came to me first, and that was, uh, her name is Maria in the book. She was the accident girl. I saw, the first time that I saw it, I thought that I had seen a movie, but it turned out when I figured it out later that... It was a vision, and I saw, as if it was a movie, this girl interacting very lovingly with her family, getting into a truck with her father, a big semi-truck with a heavy load, and they get into a horrific accident, and she is 
very seriously injured. Her face is crushed in, and she has a near-death experience, uh, being aware of floating above her um, body in the truck cabin and then floating above her body in surgery, and she actually went to the other side, and I saw all of this and experienced it with her. I went to the light. I went to that other side, and it is just <gasps> beyond words to experience, and I'm sure you know this since yes. you, you're also a psychic medium, right? When you go there, it is love, 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 yes. love, love. Everything is love. And then I experienced the day that the bandages came off, and I saw all of this first, as I, as, like I said, I thought it was a movie, but then I would see it over and over and over in my mind, and then I began to communicate with girl, this girl. I fell in love with her in the movie. She was uh, somewhere around 18, and in the movie, or in the vision, I should say, and I just, she was my friend, and yeah. then when I arrived at the orphanage and was told I was never going home again, I turned to the spirit world, and I already knew Maria, the accident girl from the spirit world, and so I lived there, and that was really my first awakening to the fact that um, I'm psychic, even though at the time I didn't define it as psychic. Neither did I. Normal. Yeah, <laughs> I was like normal. that as a child too, and yeah, I, 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 I thought everybody was like that. I mean, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know I was doing or seeing things that were not reality. I was a pretty yeah. p- practical kid, uh, but in dreams and in experiences, like one time when I was about eight years old. I was home for lunch. We lived above a store. I heard a big crash. I ran to the window, and this truck was going over, and this man was jumping out of the truck. He was a young, handsome man, and I, oh, I was so glad he was okay, you know. And then I went to school, and when I came home, they were still washing the blood off the street, and I was told that he had died. So I couldn't put together the fact that I saw his spirit leave his body and go up. It's happened several other times like that for me, but I didn't know at the time that's what had happened. So these gifts keep unfolding in different ways. Some of it we have to know, and some of it really doesn't matter. As long as we're growing up in the right direction and trying to improve ourselves, right? Be filled with joy, be filled with goodness, be filled with kindness, and just continue to use whatever spiritual gifts we have, right? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. how, how I put the pieces together, but that was only now in later life. It took me a long time. Now, you say your novel has a three-part message. Can you tell us the message? Yeah, and it's something that you just touched on, that when we're five years old and younger, my observation is that we're still in tune with the psychic world where we came from, mm-hmm. and that most of the people in in your audience, most of the people out there in the world, as children, do have psychic experiences. And one of my points in the book is that's normal, that we are all capable of it if we are created in the image and likeness of the Creator. Well, one of the things that the Creator is is all-knowing, so at the very yes. least we have the potential to be all-knowing. And secondly, that 
It is possible. So many people out there have been physically abused, even sexually abused as children. That is so rampant. It's it's so sad. And many, many people have either been abandoned emotionally or outright abandoned. It's far too common on our planet, and I wanted to show people that you can get over it, and especially you can get over it by using your psychic insight, which is one of the things you talk about all the time. And then the third point is loving yourself, really passionately loving yourself, because that's the foundation for everything. You can't even allow other people to really love you or or to be deserving, even to be deserving of happiness, unless you love who you are. And loving life. The gift of life. I don't believe every soul gets an opportunity to have a physical life. They have lives in other, you know, dimensions and maybe other mm, places, maybe like Earth or not like Earth. And uh, and I have done many shows on child abuse, and I mm, I have great difficulty as a sensitive feeling and relating to things in such a deep way. And I'm truly, truly saddened by what people can do to other people, other humans, especially to children. So uh, it's very important that people who have an experience share it with someone. Even to my listeners out there, you should be aware of the children around you, watching them. And if you see changes, talking to them and getting them help and stopping the abuse. I mean, some people are just afraid to interfere. They believe it's family matters. Even judges, when they have dealt with husbands and wives and the men, you know, they free the men even after it's been proven that they were criminally responsible. So I, I want the people listening to know that it's each of our responsibility to protect all living beings, especially the children and the animals. You know, we have to we yes. have to go the extra step and have courage yes. and boldness and stand up until it stops. I know it's a human thing, but I think the human condition can be improved. I, yes. I certainly hope so. Now, yeah, yeah. Now, one of one of the first scenes in your book. This was very painful for me, also, but very accurately described. Describes half your city still being empty ruins and piles of rubble from American and British bombers, even eleven years after World War Two ended. Was that true? And why so long after the war ended? First of all, yeah. Um, During the last couple of years of that war, uh, the Nazis were hiding munitions plants and tank factories, etc., in amongst the population. And so the American and British had no other choice than to do what they called carpet bombing, which Mm. is just like you're mowing a lawn or, 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 or vacuuming a carpet, just row after row of bombs dropping and destroying everything. And 36 cities in Germany were anywhere from 80 to 95% leveled. My city that that uh, uh, that we were talking about at the end of the war was 95% flattened. And the population went from 236,000 down to 50,000 in six years' time. 
during that war. And um, the reason it was only still 50% rebuilt was it was only 11 years. And mm. it takes a long time I to know. rebuild an entire city, right? You know, simple. you know, the first time I went to England, I'm a very happy, smiley, talk to everybody kind of person. And mm-hmm. I know I noticed how reserved most of the people were there. And then I realized it's because their city was leveled. They had seen so much death and despair. And when we had Twin Towers in New York, I was then, I totally understood where that sadness and that deep-seated distrust of people could flourish and remain. I was scared scared to death of Americans when I was that I understand that because, unfortunately, the Nazis had to be stopped and yeah. innocent people and children and families, anyone, and cities yep. were destroyed. And that's the price of war. And that's why what's going on now, you know, in Ukraine has got to stop. We have got to get beyond this war machine mentality and money-making mentality and get to be really human and divine spirits so this yes, can stop. Now, you wrote, occasionally the busts passed a deep black crater that had been created by exploding bombs. This one was a school. Manfred muttered in a voice, choked with pain and anger, pointing at the shell of what used to be a big building on the left. The day after, there were five piles of dead bodies, about 20 bodies high, lining the street in front of the school. So many buildings in the city had piles of bodies outside. I still smell it. The decomposing body, bloody bodies, gave off a horrifying, sickening, rotten smell. Wolfgang smelled it faintly, too. Right now, he gagged. The dirt had been so saturated with bodily fluids, burnt flesh, guts, blood, concrete, dust, and charred wood that the stench still lingered in the air even eleven years after the war had ended. Mannheim and every city in Germany was eighty or ninety percent leveled, destroyed, flattened by the Americans and British bombers, including my family's apartment. And that's kind of how it was. Hmm? Yeah, it's, you know, just hearing that and, and of course, seeing it, living it, it, incredible sadness and, of course, a lot of anger among the adults. Of course. I regularly saw men without an arm, without two arms. My father had a friend who had no legs. He got around on a little cart, four-wheel cart close to the ground. Hmm. And and um, and now we devastation. see. Yeah, now when I see on television all the time, I see uh, commercials asking for money for the veterans. The veterans yeah. here in the United States, so many young men, bu- brutally mutilated. How much do yeah. we have to see of this before we get smart? Well, this show is about getting smart, so we're going to yeah. go on to. Um, tell us what happened when you actually met the women that you dreamed about and yeah. how was this special for when you were grown up 
when you were 44 years old. So you dreamt about yeah. them when you were six, but then, then you grew up. You went back to your to Germany. You lived in the United States. You went back there. You went to your city. You met some of the people that were your relatives. They were yes. still there. But tell us something more. Well, I'll just talk about the accident girl, Maria, who I already talked about a few minutes ago. When I was 44, I it was I was working what us musicians call a day job. I was a professional <laughs> musician for 28 years, and I was not particularly happy in this day job. And one day I had a very frustrating day, and I was just being a wise ass, as they say. And <laughs> I said something to the receptionist when I asked for the person I wanted to speak to, and I made her laugh so hard that she had to put me on mute literally for about two minutes. She could not speak, couldn't even say one moment, please I'll connect you, because I made her laugh so hard. And you know, people in the audience know, when we, when we laugh with somebody, we feel their soul, we connect souls with that person, and we seem to both recognize each other in that moment. She didn't. Um, um, neither of us recognized her as my um, childhood imaginary friend until, well, first of all, it was a phone relationship. We started talking um, pretty much every night, got to know her, and after well, after a few weeks, I wanted to meet her, meet her in person. It was only a few hours away, and I kept asking, and she said, you wouldn't want to meet me. Um, I have a confession to make. About six years ago, I was in a horrific accident, and my face got crushed in, and she started to tell me the story of the accident, and I finished the story for her in detail. Mm. Finished the story. She and, was shocked. You know, she was shocked. I yeah. was shocked, you know, and then eventually within a couple of days, I had to say, well, you know, I've been seeing this since I was a kid, and you were my imaginary friend. And, of course, that was not only shocking for her, but even invasive, creepy. And then over the next couple of weeks, I told her five things, five details about the accident and before and after that she had never told another human, including the details that I mentioned being above her body in the truck cabin and in surgery, going to the light and the day the bandages came off. She had never told those things to anybody. And then at that point, she decided this is way too much. I don't know how to explain this. I didn't know how to explain this. I thought the universe was messing with me because <laughs> since the day I was sent to the orphanage, I felt like that the universe messed with me constantly. And my friends, and she ended the relationship, and I was just devastated, almost as devastated as the first day at the orphanage because this was my connection to trying yes. to figure out who I was this and what was, happened. This and, was your connection and, to feeling yeah. safe. Yes. And so what was beautiful, though, is that my friends had been telling me for years, dude, you need some help just based on what they knew had happened to me. And I said, no, I got this. I'm fine. Yeah, but this was the very thing that made me realize I need some help. And I found a psychologist, and she taught me how to really love little Walter. She taught me how to find my power and how to really tune into my psychic ability in order to make decisions that serve me. And everybody is capable of that, tuning into their psychic ability. Most people now believe that we create our own reality by the choices that we make. Even quantum physics says that. For me, empowerment is getting information that allows 
one to make the best choices, the, the choices that create happiness for ourselves. And then, of course, like you said, that transfers over to other people. How to overcome and find happiness and power, to me, the answer is gratitude. Gratitude is the antidote to emotional pain and the antidote to fear. If you're in a situation where um, you're feeling fear or really feeling a lot of tension, conflict with somebody, if you can find things that you are grateful for about that person or grateful for about that situation, it opens your heart and you have more fun in the moment. And when our hearts open, generally the other person's heart opens too, at least to some extent. That's and right. And spirit comes in. The angels and yeah. guides and teachers around us fill our heart with feelings that are just uh, so beautiful. It's really hard to describe. But Walter, you describe how your meditation or dreams lift you up to higher states of being. And you write, the white clouds and gorgeous white buildings below were a white that was purer and more beautiful than even seemed possible. The astonishing greens of the lush grass, trees and bushes, the sensational blues of the sublime sky and the stunning lakes, the many spectacular shades of red, yellow, orange, purple, pink, violet, lavender were all phenomenal, beyond belief. And that is what meditation, connecting to spirit, is all about. It's a yeah. beauty that you see and feel and know and love, love. You write love, love, love. Even the yeah. word love is inadequate yeah. to what you can feel when you're in meditation. You're helping yourself and you're helping other people. So yeah. oh, briefly, what do you want readers to take away or remember after reading your book? First, what you just said, that love, 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 that's what's most important. And maybe actually that second, number one, is the all we ever have is this moment, this moment. But what's beautiful about that is you have all power in this moment. And so choose to have fun. Fun, 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 fun. <laughs> choose to have fun. I bet you get the same message in your medium work, and, and that is consistently well. the spirits <laughs> on the other side tell me those two things. Oh, my God, I didn't have enough fun. I didn't love enough. Right. And you want to know something? Recently, I did a reading on myself. I very rarely do that. And uh, yeah. and I said, well, what do you want me to do? The world is in such a mess right now. How can I use my gifts to help more? And they said, you don't have to do anything. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Well, it's yeah. the same thing you just said. Love, yes. rejoice, and fun. Be grateful for our life. It is a gift, and not every soul comes to have this physical life. So I want to mm -hmm. thank you, Walter Zajac. I could talk to you longer <laughs> and longer. We had so much to share here. And uh, author of They Came Beyond Deja Vu for sharing your amazing, courageous journey from childhood trauma to developing your God-given spiritual gifts and uh, empowered awareness and to share with as many people as you can by helping readers know we are all part of the miracle of life, no good or bad, just experiences and the chance to love ourselves and find our true potential to shine as messengers of the universal dynamic of creative life forces and eternal opportunities to learn and love. To read more of the amazing world of Walter Zajac, go to 
WalterZajac.com or Amazon.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have discovered through a courageous and inspiring journey of love, loss, abandonment, war from childhood in war-torn Germany to adoption to abuse and the political tragedies of Kennedy and Martin Luther King's assassination, that there will always be people who rise above their suffering to follow their personal freedom and hopes for goodness to win. Walter wrote, I don't believe we can change the system. Scott, who's the character in the book, was doing his best to sound wise and informed. The system is corrupt. It favors war over peace, and it's all about sustaining the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about years ago. As far as I can tell, one man or woman is never going to be able to make changes because too many powerful people would lose way too much money. Alexa was quiet as she processed his words. But through the power of music and the arts, we can influence people's hearts to a place of harmony and love, to a place of cooperation and sharing knowledge. Scott went on, Out of that we could create a system that's based on the power of love instead of the love of power. Walter and I would have you remember that as spiritual beings having a physical life, we often have soul memories that help us understand and deal with the many challenges a physical life provides, and that those who may have the most difficult challenges could be souls working at a high vibration and level to advance faster towards greater love and compassion so in essence embrace your life as it is for the power it holds to make you realize the magnificent eternal life force each of us are i am cheryl glick host of healing from within medium and author of a trilogy with the newest book being a new life awaits spirit guided insights to support global awakening and i invite you to visit my website cherylglick.com to read about and listen to authors visionaries spiritualists scientists metaphysicians medical professionals psychologists and those in the arts and music fields seek answers to age-old questions about the source or energy of life and universal concepts shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com thank you